America.com. My name is Rich Doc Hayden, and I am with. And here we are. It is May 23rd. We are with our friend and uh, brother from 27, Matthew Maxwell. Maxwell, how are you? I'm doing great. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So, I hope everybody that's listening is doing great. I was just talking. We've had some. Uh, you know, exciting. Well, I, I, I don't know if they're huge developments, but some exciting developments in the war in uh, Ukraine, and actually, uh, kind of, I guess, in the war in Russia, you could technically say. But um, we've had some cross-border, um, you know, attacks or attacks um, inside Russia. So, uh, but let me start off, Harpo. Let me start off with you. What have you been seeing? For, oh, and welcome back. We, we, we skipped. Oh, so I didn't say we skipped last week, and Harpo was uh, gone the week before that. So, Harpo, what have uh, you seen in the last couple of weeks? Well, you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, they had, the, had a couple of meetings. Uh, and then you see where Russia said that they, you know, took over the, uh, the one territory. Mm-hmm. They say that's what they're claiming. Uh, that's what I've been seeing in the news. Mm-hmm. So it's been, I mean, I haven't. You know, I didn't get a chance to read it today about the uh, attacks today, but mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about, um, you know, Russia's claim to have, you know, captured some territory, or what do you think? It's, do you think it's it's real? Do you think it's bullshit? I mean, I don't, from what the uh, Ukraine president said, it sounds like it's just a pile of rubble anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At this point, so... Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some pictures. I mean, Ukraine shouldn't give it up. That's, I mean, if Ukraine can still hold on to it, they need to. But, I mean, I'm, I don't think Russia's doesn't sound like they may be, doesn't sound like they're gaining anything. Mhm. 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 Even if they did take it over, they're not, they're not going to be able to do anything with it. Mhm. All right. It's just a pile of rubble. Yeah. All right. They ain't got the money to clean it up. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna a lot of, you know, a lot of Ukraine is just gonna be, it just, just unfortunately laid to waste until the end of the war, until they can start rebuilding, which is, which is unfortunate. So, um, you know how much it's gonna cost to rebuild that country? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, a lot, a lot. We haven't, yeah, we haven't even like begun, but it's, it's, I don't know. I, at, at the moment, I don't know. Um, Four, five hundred, well, four or five hundred billion dollars at least. Well, maybe, nah, I don't know. A little, little bit less expensive, but, um, but yeah, but we'll see. But it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna cost a lot. It's gonna cost a lot. So, but, um, Maxwell, let me open it up to you. What have you seen over the last week? Uh, yeah, so Bakhmut, definitely, mm-hmm. from all indications, the Russians have captured it, but like, President Zelensky said, "There's, there's nothing left. It's, it's rubble, right? And the Bakhmut will only, the memory of Bakhmut will live in the, the hearts of Ukrainians." He said. So it's one of those, uh, it's one of those deals. Like, it was pretty dire situation on both sides, right? And there's the troops that were in Bakhmut uh, were. 
just a star for everything, every resource as the Russians were. Mm. Uh, and only because of how the Russians kind of surrounded the outskirts for the most part, making it difficult to get in there. Uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, this counteroffensive, which who knows if that started yet? I don't, I, I doubt mm-hmm. it has, but, uh, but you know, maybe that was, maybe that was in the works. Obviously we can't know what the counter offensive is going to focus on. Um, we can only speculate, but maybe if they saw the shape that Bakhmut was in, that it wasn't worth that being the main effort. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a, there's like uh what do you call it not historical but like there's a significance a, a morale significance i guess to making that um to wanting to hold, retain bakhmut and, and not let it fall to the russians but at the same time you know when you're fighting this war you have to look at what's a tactical and strategic advantage, and when there's nothing left but rubble with Doc Moon, is it worth it mm-hmm. throwing more people at it? Uh, you know, yeah, make it, gains where you can make gains. I was going to say it's not just throwing people at it, it's throwing resources too to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, in, I, think was, I think that was a business decision. Almost. <coughs> Yeah, you know, like you can't, you can't for, you, for Ukraine, not Russia. Russia needs they need like, yeah to be able to say they got something. But I think it was more sure. business moves for Ukraine. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, this is a very different war than uh, you know what we are facing um, in Iraq. It's you know it's two armies kinetically fighting, and you know they the the. Both the Ukrainians and the Russians, you know, face a very different set of calculations um, than we did in Iraq. And, you know, I, from, you know, a, a lot of the things I've read, Bakhmut isn't terribly important strategically. It, it seems to have, um, it, it seems to have gained more importance psychologically because the Russians, um, you know, needed a victory and they, they figured this was their, their, their best chance and I you know I'm not gonna I'm not one to, to, to second judge the Ukrainian generals or you know anybody um uh you know fighting the war or you know um leading the war on the Ukrainian side but um uh you know maybe they might have hung on a little too long but then I think and I don't know I don't know again I don't I certainly don't want to criticize but um uh yeah but at some point do you, you know, unlike us in Iraq where we you know um after the initial invasion you know pretty much controlled the um, entire country for the duration of the war, you know, with a handful of exceptions, um, you know, the, uh, and we didn't have to, and it wasn't necessarily a question of, you know, whether to, to pull back because we didn't have the resources to, um, you know, hold a city or take a city, you know, both the Russians and the Ukrainians have to weigh that. And, um, yeah, if you have to strategically, if the Ukrainians have to strategically withdraw, from one area, you know, an area one day to come back stronger, fighting the next, and, you know, it's what they got to do, you know what I mean, so, and everybody, um, uh, uh, you know, everybody watching this at, at this point, uh, including the Russians, should, you know, 
not think that one one victory here, one very very tenuous and you know temporary victory is going to you know turn the tide of the war. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I think the the Ukrainians have a ton of fight left in them. But but I what what else you got, Max? I might think I cut you off. I might have cut into your time a little bit. Oh no! Just uh, you know, there's an article by uh, Ben Conable who was a Marine in the Iraq War and then went to work for the Rand Corporation. So it's kind of his take on it. Uh, you know, like the Russians may have taken the last slice of Bakhmut, but it is a victory to the to Ukraine in terms of Bakhmut will always be remembered as the shameful low point in the Russian and Russian military history. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the Ukrainian leaders had made the right decision to stand and fight and they make good decisions now. And, and the comparisons between military leadership of Ukraine and the Russians is definitely night and day right mm, yeah and uh and, and bakhmut had cost the russians so many casualties right the ukrainians suffered too but the russians suffered over a hundred thousand casualties they had twenty thousand killed and eighty thousand wounded in just bakhmut and then if you think about that war has been going on for a year and in the last five months, the Russians have been barely able to gain any ground, less than 1%, mm -hmm. right? They have ground and ground and ground and just ate up people uh, and resources to take this place um, that, you know, doesn't have doesn't have a, a strategic value. Now, Bakhmut had like two major highways, I think a north-south uh, line of communication, right, that uh, could allow for another Russian offensive now that it's lost. Uh, and put him in a position to disrupt any Ukraine counteroffensive mm -hmm. by controlling that road. So maybe there is some strategic value. But like you said earlier, the most uh, strategically psychological significance is the most. Yeah. Uh, but just like, uh, what was, uh, was it Maripol? Mm-hmm. The, uh, just like that, the, the Ukrainians fought to they had nothing left to fight with. Yeah. Right? That's the, that's the constant. The Russians, who were this giant behemoth, had to throw everything they had at it and put their people through a meat grinder. And they won it, but they barely won it. And like, and like uh, Zelensky said, they won a pile of bricks because there's nothing fucking left. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it's one of those things like Bakhmut 
brought to the surface all of the fissures between the Wagner Group, other private mm, military yep. mm-hmm, companies, mm-hmm. the Russian Ministry yeah. of Defense. Mm-hmm. It really that was the proving ground that showed Russia's ass yeah. big time, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, so Ukraine um, pushed the flanks around the north and south of Bakhmut, breaking the Russian ground units. Uh, that were given the impression that they could encircle the city. So they, they, they kept the Russians from being able to, ens- to encircle them and lay siege. And instead they drew those forces in to Bakhmut and like, almost like Stalingrad in reverse, right? You mm, drive yeah. the Germans mm-hmm. into the city and you just pick them off uh, and you wear them out. But they did that with the Russian ground forces but it was just one of those things. The guys, the guy, the Ukrainians fought till there was nothing else they had. Like they had, they fought until they had nothing left. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, just like Maripol. So it's proven like this is what, what we gain from is like, there's a clear difference between how the Ukrainians fight and how the fucking Russians mm-hmm. fight. Yeah. Cause the Russians are just disjointed and you know, it's just by, it's just by blind, blind luck, really. Well, it's you know, it's it's the the whole Russian strategy. They're they're hugely they're sloppy. They're disorganized. You're you're actually absolutely right to point out the divisions between the Wagner Group and um, the Russian army. And the only, I mean, the only real advantage they have over Ukraine is manpower and. Uh, just military capacity. They're just bigger. That's it. And um, a- as a result, they can just throw more, uh, you know, way more, you know, more, more men, more, more, uh, uh, you know, more weapons, more munitions at it. But it's not, so far, uh, their, their strategy, the, the, the Ukrainians have, um, you know, outwitted them at just about every turn. Again, again, they, they, they lost the city here, but not without, as you, you know, correctly point out, Russians losing a hundred thousand, you know, twenty thousand killed, eighty thousand wounded. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just pound for pound. The Russians are just, just big and sloppy, and um, just not very strategic. They just have, they just have, they just have more. They have more guns, basically, to put it as simply as possible. You know what I mean? And um, now. So, uh, moving on for this, one of the things that I did read is that um, the U.S. has. Let me get. Let me pull up the article. Let me just make a hundred percent sure I'm getting it um, correct. Hang on a second. I want to make sure. If um, hang on one second. Hold on. All right. So. All right, so the U.S. is um, going to um, eventually um, train Ukrainian pilots and, I believe, supply them with F-16s, which is going to um, dramatically, uh, you know, I- uh, improve the air power of the Ukrainians. They have been flying. Ukrainian Air Force has been flying Soviet-made planes, very old. Um, you know, but similar planes to what the Russians are flying, and the F-16 is a, a step up. I believe that the uh, the Polish 
are going to be training them as well. So uh, some of this advanced weaponry that the West has been holding off for so long to give the Ukrainians is finally going to become operational in the next few um, months here. And um, yeah, which is a big, very big and very significant um, development. So Maxwell, let me open it up to you. How big a deal is it, do you think, that um, that we're now supplying F-16s to Ukraine? And do you think perhaps it opens the door to other advanced weapon systems? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's, it should have happened sooner, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I say that the same thing with the attack of long-range rounds for the high bars, which we didn't supply. I'm like, we need to give them F-16s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Why not? They're fighting the Russians, for Christ's sake. I think it was interesting. A reporter asked the president, uh, President Biden, uh, I guess the Russian Ministry of Defense or something said that us supplying Ukraine uh, with F-16s is a high risk. And uh, they asked the president what he thought about that. And the president said, it is for them, (laughs) meaning the Russians, which I was like, fuck, man. Yeah, like uh, that dude. That dude had it. He had it. His wits about him for about five fucking minutes, <laughs> but it's a great soundbite. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's you know, the British are supplying long-range cruise missiles. Uh, they call it a shadow something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Storm shadow. Storm shadow missile. The, the, the British are supplying them. And, and like, you know, we've talked about this in the past, and I know uh, Harp said, like, just, let's just, if we're going to do it, do it, yeah. right? Let's finish this shit. You know, like, I know uh, I know, defense contracting companies make a lot of money the more this drags on, but uh, give them the F-16s and shit, and let's get this thing over with. Right? How many more people have to get mm-hmm. fucking? You know these Ukrainian grandmothers. Like we, we can't let any more of them get fucking slaughtered. Yeah, absolutely. The babushkas. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Harp, let me let me switch that back to you. I, I imagine you're probably going to share uh, 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 Maxwell's sentiments. Yeah, I mean, we should have we should have done it a long time ago. So never really got this far. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just us either. The neighboring neighboring countries too. Like it's just a society issue. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you know, at the beginning of the war, and we we've talked about this a lot, and you know, and at the beginning, the beginning was well, throughout the war, but especially at the beginning of the war, the whole calculation that the U.S. and um, NATO has had to make is um, how far can we go to not trigger a nuclear reaction by Russia. And the longer and longer that this goes on, the less and less I think um, we have to worry about that. Um, I, I, you know, I will say I, I don't think that, that we should threaten nuclear. And I think nuclear weapons should certainly be off the table on the NATO side. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that we should ever um, threaten that because then that would... Um, justify a Russian escalation and, and, you know, perhaps precipitate that. But we're not doing that. Like, nobody in the U.S., nobody in NATO is doing that. 
Um, yeah, and we never would. Yeah, we never would. We're, we, we're yeah, not that kind of country. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. But I, I think now, uh, you know, the, um, uh, yeah, at, at this point, I think, yeah, we can, we can basically, just, short of, of, you know, nuclear weapons or our, perhaps our, you know, our absolute most advanced technology, which we wouldn't loan to, or, you know, which we wouldn't give to the Ukrainians anyways, um, yeah, we can start. We can start providing these things um, to them because the Russia is not going to uh, launch a nuke at Ukraine. And if they do, if, if they do, if they do use a, a tactical nuclear weapon or, um, uh, or heaven forbid, a, you know, a, a larger warhead. I mean, it's it's at that point, you know, the, the world's basically going to turn on even Russia, I, even China's. You know, I think China, I think China's red line, and they've made this known, um, is that they don't want nuclear weapons used uh, uh, in this, and I think that that would, the Russians would risk losing Chinese support. So, yes, how much? Yeah, we just need to, just, just basically give them what they need to get the job done and let this shit be over with. You know what I mean? Um, very quick. I read a very interesting article. I, I wish I had saved it, um, <clears throat> but it was it was uh, just sort of analyzing um, uh, 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 the the Russian side and um, looking at um, you know looking at Russia politically, and, and it basically said that the, you know these dictators that have um, uh, you know established themselves in power in the way that Putin has are very very difficult to. Um, dislodge or and um, to to get out of power. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of people in the West, and we've talked about this too, have been hoping for a um, you know uh, some sort of in palace intrigue at the Kremlin or somebody to step up um, internally and take Putin out. And this article said that that at this point is very very unlikely. It said, but um, the the they said where the Russians are weakest is. The Russian military machine for the you know the reasons that we just talked about um their inefficiencies their you know just terrible command and control just just all this but also um just industrially they just might not have the um the production power to you know make these weapons and you know or make enough weapons and 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 produce enough <laughs> to uh, you know beat back the um uh, you know win this war and beat beat the Ukrainians so. Um, so they said this article said that that's where they're the most vulnerable, and that's where we should start focusing on. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not I'm not um, planning this. I, the uh, the uh, NATO leadership, the Ukrainian leadership, the um, American leadership have so far been very much on point. But I, I wonder if indeed um, you know that's that's where Russia's Achilles heel is, and that's where we should focus. So now, <clears throat> moving on. So the other exciting story is that um, a, a group of well I won't read the article but apparently a group of um, Ukrainian Russian Ukrainian sympathizers have launched some attacks inside Russian borders I'm gonna just I'm gonna give read the article just the first couple paragraphs of this article from the New York Times real quick said, fighting rage for a second day on Tuesday in the Belgorod region of southern Russia as a Ukrainian-aligned paramilitary group claimed to seize villages and rebuff counterattacks in the most dramatic instance to date of bringing the war into Russian territory. <clears throat> the Free Russia Legion, a group of Russian volunteers who have taken up arms to fight for Ukraine, claimed responsibility for the incursion, while Kiev publicly denied direct involvement 
turning the tables on a Russian strategy that preceded the invasion last year of sending unacknowledged weaponry and soldiers into Ukraine. <clears throat> Russia's Ministry of Defense said on Tuesday afternoon that it had pushed the militants back across the border, adding that scores of saboteurs have been killed. That claim could not be verified, and people who said they represented the fighters maintained the attacks were continuing and had gained new ground. Those statements also could not be verified. Um, last little uh, paragraph I'm going to read. The incursion could compel Russia to divert soldiers from a long and unevenly defended front in southeastern Ukraine ahead of a long-anticipated Ukrainian counteroffensive, military analysts say. It seemed intended as, a way, as well to unnerve and embarrass the Russian leadership by showing a weakness in border defenses. So, yes, we're going to... This just, you know, this, this is barely um, 48 hours old. We're going to have to see how this unfolds, but... Um, very, very interesting and intriguing news. Uh, Maxwell, let me open this one up to you. What do you think about it? Oh, I think one of the most interesting things is uh, I was just reading some U.S. defense guy, and I'm trying to find it now because I was on the article, but the guy that uh, leaves this Russian pro-Ukrainian group mm. is um, used to be very much like on the inside in the Russian military, more specifically the Russian nuclear program. Interesting. So back in 2014, he voted against the action in Crimea and was very vocal about it and then got blacklisted, mm. right? So, you know, it's one of those things that he was he stood up for that. So then when they invaded, uh, you know, he starts this group. Mm. And the thing is, the information that this man has as to strategic nuclear sites, because he was on that inside, like that's, he started his career there, uh, in the Russian Ministry of Defense, like, he knows a lot of shit. Mm. Uh, and now he is leading a group of, you know, pro-Ukrainian Russians, militants, that are from, you know, like the Ukrainians are saying, as pretty much like they're on their own program, but they're going to disrupt... Uh, and to go back to the Bakhmut thing, like both sides were worn to worn down completely, right? Mm. So it was just they barely they barely got control of Bakhmut. Their their lines are spread thin. Their logistics has been compromised with sabotage attacks, and now you've got this group of Russian militants that are. You know, inside behind enemy lines, if you were inside Russia proper and causing these disruption attacks, like that's a, that's going to be a tough thing, uh, tough thing for the Russians to deal with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, the RDK, Russian Volunteer Corps. Hmm. Right. Uh, and Freedom of Russia Legion. That's so. There's two groups, but the guy that runs it, uh, yeah. 
was was big in the Russian military and in the strategic nuke program. Interesting. So he's got a lot of it. And from the American military guy that knew him, uh, said that this man's brilliant. He's absolutely like one of the smartest dudes he's ever met. Uh, so you have a very competent military leader running this regular warfare campaign inside of Russia. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, it's going to give him a lot to deal with. Interesting, interesting. Harp, let me let me open it up to you. What do you think? Yeah, I didn't. <clears throat> I hadn't seen the seen the news on it today, mm-hmm. but it sounds. Uh, it sounds it's like they're coming coming in the back door. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a uh, immigration problem, I guess. Too, I guess now is what Russia's going to call it. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to, to make some news because it's not not their fault. Yeah, or, or something to that magnitude. Yeah, you know so. What's interesting, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how this, this evolves over the next couple of days and, and the news that comes out about it. But, you know, I think that, um, the, and, and we'll see, we'll see also, one of the things also, I, 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 I'm, I'm, when I'm, I'm, my comments right now are saying not entirely knowing what targets they hit, the strategic significance of the targets they hit, and how much they destroyed. But with that, with that said, I, I think that the, yeah, the, the most significant aspect of this, again, um, is psychological, and what it does is it it does it does two things. Number one, it really it unnerves the um, Russian leadership, and it it really it's it's a, it's a black eye for Putin because uh, you know he's been able to sell this war to the Russian people so far as one of where the you know the homeland is safe. Don't worry about the homeland; everything is safe and everything is fine, and. Um, this has to be embarrassing for him. You know, we do risk a little bit. Of the, the NATO, you know, Ukraine in the West does risk a little bit of blowback from the Russian people because this is the kind of thing that Russian leadership could um, rally around as well. But, you know, even that article that I read later on in the article, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 Russia's foreign minister, you know, went on to say that you know this is this is one of the reasons that we're doing what we're doing, which. Um, makes no sense. You can't go into a country, beat them up, and then um, you know claim that they're you know uh, uh, be mad when they attack you. But either either way, um, the uh, so I think psychologically. But then also the second important thing this does is um, this: the Russians have to now withdraw troops and withdraw resources from the fight in Ukraine to uh, defend these areas. And I look at you know. I look at uh, our reaction after September 11th, and when the homeland is attacked, um, people freak out, and it's the you know the need to um, uh, defend the homeland becomes serious, and they need to you have to you know as, as horrible and as um, awful as the September 11th attacks were. We uh, we went too far in the other direction, and in some ways, you you we went we went way too far. But but you know the the um, authorities in response to terrorism uh, often have to go further 
than what is needed because they don't necessarily understand the threat and, and um, they have to make sure that it doesn't happen again or if it happens again that they're able to minimize it. So basically they're going to have to draw an inordinate amount of resources from the fight to defend the border, to to um, you know defend the cities that are within striking distance of Ukraine. And um, yeah, it's going to be a, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically just, just sapping resources from uh, the Russian war effort. So uh, yeah, so it's, it's a big deal. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple more of these happens. I, I have no idea if these uh, Russian groups are working with the U.S., go- oh, excuse me, working with the um, Ukrainian government or not. One very quick article that I saw, um, actually, I guess some some Humvees were, American-made Humvees were damaged in the um, uh, attack, and apparently the um, these guys were using, these, uh, these um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Russian, um, you know, pro- these Russian pro-Ukrainian groups were, according to this one article I saw, were using Humvees, um, I don't know how, you know, true that was, but, um, uh, yes, I don't know, maybe the U.S. is involved in this. I have no, I, I again, I have no idea. I don't want to speculate. We haven't seen it, but, um, but yeah. No, it's, no, I saw that too. The, uh, that pro-Russian group had, uh, they had MRAPs. They had the, um, the Max Pro MRAPs. Mm. Let me see if I can find it as well. Hold on. Yeah, keep going. Keep going leave, how many of those did we leave overseas? Yeah. 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 You no, know, they they're not getting sold. Hey, I know. Uh, I know. The last time I was in Iraq was 2009, and there was like, there was a whole fucking open lot. Like, you couldn't even count how many of these MRAPs and things were there. And it's so funny because our 2007 deployment, two seven had one MRAP. It was with the engineers, right? We were all still in Humvees and shit. And, uh, yeah, I came, like, 2009, there was, like, fucking more MRAPs than you could. And, and there was nobody in them. They just sat there. Just sat in a freaking dirt lot, not being used by anybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Somebody's driving So... I just I just now I just pulled up an article from the BBC and the BBC is generally a pretty reliable source. Um, it says uh, uh, and and the picture at the top has two um, two Humvees in that have been in a ditch. They looked um, you know maybe destroyed or definitely abandoned, uh, perhaps inoperable. And the caption for the picture says the Russian Defense Ministry released photos of abandoned or dead damaged Western military vehicles, including U.S. made Humvees. And the article goes on to say the U.S. has distanced itself from an incursion into Russia, which Moscow says ended in the defeat of armed insurgents who entered from Ukraine. So, um, uh, yes, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if we again. I I don't think we did, and I'm certainly not speculating either way. You know what I mean? There are millions of Humvees around the world. These guys could have gotten it from um, everywhere or anywhere. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it is interesting that um, these are... Oh, well, who knows? Maybe this is like a Russian propaganda operation and um, these Humvees were from someplace else. You know what I mean? That's entirely possible, too. So, um, yeah, so we're going to have to see about that. But um, And I would actually... Uh, 
uh, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but if we were supporting these insurgents against Russia, I, if the U.S. government were supporting the insurgents against Russia, I would certainly not uh, protest. So, you know, but yeah. So, so, so that's what's going on uh, in the war. Everybody is still waiting for this spring offensive to happen. Um, you know, I, I, I would reach out, I would ask you guys, but I'm sure you know the same amount of information as me, but um, Harp, any thoughts on the upcoming spring offensive? Wow, I mean, maybe this is the start. Mm. Interesting, possibly. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Maxwell, any this thoughts? You know, they, they like the distractions. Mm. Yeah. Maxwell, any thoughts on the um, upcoming offensive? Yeah, spring's almost over. It's time to time to kick it into gear, boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The I we, did. We have to have something. We gotta have something to talk about. We're running out of shit yeah. to talk yeah. about, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you know, I I did read about a week and a half ago, and it was a very very small, very brief article. Um, it said Zelensky Khan said we're you know we're we're waiting until we're not we're not prepared yet for the offensive, and it was you know just they don't have the weapons, they don't have the um, uh, the material yet, but um, and and he yeah, he should, if they need to wait, then they need to wait, and they need to do it right. Um, you know what I mean, but uh, yeah, everybody's kind of holding their breath and and waiting for this this thing to jump off. You know what I mean? Because um, it could be it could be the final straw that that because the the Russians. See, the thing is, the Russians aren't getting any better. You know what I mean? They're not. They're just. They're not learning. They're not evolving. They're not adapting. They're just 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 the same tactics. The same. It's just, it's just the same, and it's just, I, I really, you know, minus some sort of, you know, um, a major um, influx of, I don't know, Chinese-made weapons or or some brilliant battlefield commander who has, has so far, you know, not proved himself, um, then Russia's not really going to change. I don't really see much. It's just a matter of the Ukrainians, you know, getting the weapons they need, getting the... Um, uh, you know, preparing and just just you know kicking the Russians out. So, um, so we'll see. I, you know, Maxwell. Last uh, two weeks ago, we had you know we we got pretty in depth. And um, uh, has your uh, has your your view changed? Has, has there been anything to alter what you think has been the course of the war that we outlined two weeks ago? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. still beating the same drum. Yeah. Yeah. And this this is. You know, I, I, I'm going to say it's frustrating for us. It's, it's, uh, you know, obviously it goes without saying, uh, you know, way, way, way more um, frustrating and distressing for uh, the Ukrainians. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, each each side thinks that time is on their side. You know, the Russians are uh, are waiting out and think that maybe if um, you know a Republican president is elected next year and is uh, more, you know, uh, friendly to Russia, maybe they'll withdraw their support of the war effort. That's a um, tall order, and that's something that I wouldn't um, necessarily, if I was Putin, I wouldn't necessarily uh, uh, bet on. There's also, um, you know, Putin's also waiting for 
um, Western support for Ukraine to run out, and I really don't think that's going to happen. I they have uh, Ukraine has a brilliant leader in Zelensky, a very very oh that's well actually that's the other thing that did happen. Zelensky went to the G7 summit and spoke to the leader of the G7 countries and um, received more pledges from G7 countries. So um, the, uh, the 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 relation the, the relationship between um, the U.S. and countries in Europe and the countries in the G7 you know countries such as Japan are just growing stronger and stronger. So um, I, I really don't think you know barring some sort of very much out of left field um, development. I really don't see support for Ukraine um, eroding among the West. You know what I mean? And I, I can't. There's, there's really short. Like I mean, short of some crazy internal Ukrainian scandal um, or, or something along those lines. It's, it, it's not gonna change. And you know, like, and if some somebody like. China entered the war, which I, I don't think they're going to do. If somebody like China entered the war on the Russian side, that would only harden the resolve of, um, you know, Europe and the U.S. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I, even though I, um, I never, ever, ever, uh, you always have your unknown unknowns, um, as uh, <laughs> uh, Donald Rumsfeld used to say. Um, the, uh, you, um... Uh, yeah, there's, there's, I really don't see anything changing the course of this conflict. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and I hope I'm right. I mean, I hope I'm right. I hope nothing comes out. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, well, we've kind of reached the end. But before we do, I want to, in my rant right there, I kind of brought up something that, um, I went off, uh, I want to go off topic here for just 30 seconds, and I want to see if you guys remember this. Do you remember in um, Iraq when, it was during the war, when Rumsfeld said, you don't go to uh, war with the army that you want, but you go to war with the army that you have? And do you, yeah. okay, do you remember how everybody, all the civilians got super pissed off? Everybody got mad? So, this is this is. I remember when he said that. I actually didn't. I I, 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 we, I was you know I was with the Marines at that point, and I didn't quite understand why everybody got. Um, I understand now why everybody got so mad, and I I get it now. But at the time, I was like, uh, the Marines go into combat like with with um you know uh, uh basically fucking um humvees that are duct taped together and like uh everything we go in with like without shit and we go and we kick ass and we do what we got to do do you so do you guys remember you know max do you remember how you felt when that uh when he said that yeah but i i, I think i was in different at the time but actually no cuz i remember freaking colonel 12 said something about the fact that, like, in World War Two, in less than a year, the, you know, factories churned out, like, 18 different dive bombers. That was, that was 18 versions of one type of plane, mm. right? Um, when America goes to war, it mobilizes its huge industry to freaking provide us the the tools necessary to win. So Rumsfeld 
Rumsfeld, fuck that guy, <laughs> man. Like th- th- that can't like the whole fucking th- him and the whole fucking Bush administration are a bunch of fucktards. That's why that fucking shit. You know, like hey, when you go to war with somebody. How about let's not fucking take out all of their essential services and leave them governmentless <laughs> and then fucking let them just fucking, you know, turn into the fucking, you know, war to the flies type shit, right? Like, these are the, st- the guy that says the stupid shit that he said there, like, no, motherfucker, you're in charge of the fucking Pentagon. You go to war, you go with the fucking best because you're there to fucking win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then fuck that guy. Yeah, I, let me let me you just know, say, like, it was one of those things at the time. It's like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, I guess so. Like, our yeah. shit sucks. Yeah, let, but, let me say, let me say for and, the record, and, and what you saw, and what you saw follow, like, that. The fucking funny thing is mm-hmm. the type of fucking hardware that came. And 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 quite frankly, it always came too late, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was just saying, the fucking MRAPs and the fucking second generation MRAPs. By the time that by the time that shit arrived in fucking Iraq, the fucking war was over, right? And it all sat there, right? Like we were driving them, but it was two thousand nine. You know what we were doing in two thousand nine? We were demilling fucking bases. Mm. We were packing up all of our shit, getting it to fucking air bases, and getting it the fuck out of there. That's what we were doing in two thousand nine. We had everything under the sun for fucking. We had everything under the sun for fucking equipment, and there was no fucking. The the, the threat was minimal. Yeah. Right. Let, let me let me, let me just. Let me say clarify also. Um, yeah, I didn't like Donald Rumsfeld. That's not a testament to Donald Rumsfeld at all. Um, oh, and no, also, I didn't think that you did. Yeah, so, so you were smart enough. For yeah, that one. But yeah, and also that's also a point is like. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, before it's real quick, like, well, okay, so fin- yeah, finish up, finish. Up, I'm sorry, finish up. Go ahead. I mean, good for the fucking military now that they got the good shit that they've got, mm. and you know the fucking the, to continue my long-standing rant, all of the fucking. All of the shit that finally got developed and meant for the military to fight war, police departments have now. Police departments mm. have MRAPs. Police departments have fucking plate carriers and fucking M4s and all this other fucking bullshit. Can they save fucking kids from getting shot up? No. There's 300 fucking cops with plate carriers, M4s, fucking tacked out, looking like fucking Tier 1 <laughs> fucking Delta Force motherfuckers. But... The one thing they didn't have out of all that gear was the fucking balls and a goddamn spine to go fucking keep kids from getting shot. All right. Put, now, the, put the veterans, give them, you want kids protected? Mm-hmm. Put a fucking fire team of fucking gunfighters from the fucking 2-7 in that bitch. <laughs> ain't, ain't, ain't none of that shit going down. Cool. And my, my second my thing rant. I just... That's my, that's my final thought. All right, all right, cool. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go. We'll go through again. My, um, my, my, the last thing that I want to say about my, my comment, too, just to make sure that everybody uh, understands, is that it was admiration from the Marine Corps because you could drop a, uh, you know, a, a squad of Marines into a situation with um, you know, slingshots and K-bars, and they'll get the job done. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, here we are at the end. I guess, Maxwell, anything you want to add to those comments? You no, I think I've said enough, okay. man. <laughs> Harp, any final comments? Touche on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. All 
All right. My final comments, um, I'll say about Ukraine, just to everybody who's listening, uh, please don't lose, uh, please don't lose faith. Please don't, you know, think we have to rush this. The, I, I think that Amer- America's, our greatest weakness is that we are impatient. We are, um, we, we are uh, a kind of a fast food type country. We want things now. We want things to work. We want them to be efficient, and we want now, 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 now. And sometimes, in some ways, that's beneficial. But um, when faced with the prospect of a war like this in Ukraine that's a long slog, I think that that mindset is very detrimental and is very short-sighted. And most people, you know, the majority of people in the U.S. get it. The majority of people in the U.S. understand that this is going to take time, and we need to support them. And so far, our support... um, you know, we're not sending American troops. Or we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, uh, everything that we've done to support um, Ukraine has come at a, you know, very small cost to us. So there's not a lot to do. But I, I just want to say to everybody that's listening, like, you know, please continue to support Ukraine because it's extremely important. It's, it's very, very important that they win this war. And let's not um, take our eyes off the ball. That's it. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. Maxwell, thank you. Ah, thanks, man. Harpo, thank you. Yeah, man. All right, everybody. We love you tons. All right, Maxwell, so we're not going to see you next week? That's right. Yeah, I'll be traveling. Maxwell will be traveling for work. So, uh, so I hope you're safe. Hope you have, uh, uh, have a productive uh, uh, work experience. Harpo, it'll just be you and me. I look forward to talking to you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week.